whenever I think of like gluten free bread, I think of Udi's. I think that's, that's the company the who makes the like gluten free pizza crust. So yeah. every time I had to put them in a fridge for breakfast or whatever, they would always fall apart no matter you touch them. And it's just like they crumble to dust. Because Udi's has no gluties. And that's why it falls apart. <laughs> got him. <laughs> you got a snort out of that one. <laughs> I honestly feel like you should like send a letter to Udi's. Be like, guys, no. I know you get solicited all the time. However, ladies and gentlemen, we got one. <laughs> oh, God. Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, a show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place went 81 episodes over four seasons on ABC. Today we're talking about episode one, which was called The Pilot, originally airing March 11th, 1998. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys, most of the boys, Nick, Joe, and Gordo. No Ferg this week. What's going on, guys? hey yo. Isn't that a type of Merlo? It's Bob. We had a baby. It's a boy. It's a boy. <laughs> we had a baby. It's a boy. Jay, you just mentioned the title of this show, and it made me think of something that I didn't think of until just now. This is 1998, when there was still TV Guide. Yes. This show being still long title would have been, like, across the whole page. I would have like grabbed your attention the way like TBS used to do O five, so they'd always grab your attention because they weren't in line. It's kind of a smart move. I wonder if that's why they inevitably changed it. It was a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and just to yeah to say it like two guys a girl in a pizza place, which is what it was for the first two seasons. Switched names for seasons three and four to just two guys and a girl. Kind of like um eight simple rules to dating my teenage daughter, and that eventually became eight simple rules. Yeah, I was trying to think of other ones that may have gotten short, and I know they're out there, and I just couldn't think of any. We did uh, Norm. Norm was like the Norm McDonald show, and I think became just Norm, or the yeah. other way around. I think it was that way. That one's not as bad, though. Eight Simple Rules and Two Guys, A Girl are like long fucking TV show titles. I think the idea of like this show name, before we get into any of it, was just like, it is a lot. It's a lot on the mouth. Yeah. A uh, sitcom should be like one to three words total, title-wise. Just to like, just to do the intro, to say it twice in a row, I was like, it, was, it, was just, it just felt exhausting. Like, you could have called this like Friends and Pizza. And like, there, there it is. We're fine. The Pizza Pals. I love that even better. Alliteration. <laughs> I remember this show. I remember seeing episodes of it, but we were like 12 and I wasn't watching. A, I, I don't know. I wasn't. Um, I didn't watch it religiously. I just remember catching a few episodes. So I don't really know any storylines. You know, what's funny is I'm kind of, I'm almost in the same boat. I picked this show. Just because I had seen it, you know, when we pick shows, sometimes I'll just like Google a list of sitcoms and see what catches my eye. And this one caught my eye. I was like, oh, I remember that show. I remember this title, but I don't remember. I never saw the show. Yeah, I had no idea it was in Boston when I picked this. I had no idea at all. Yeah, or that it was Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Well, all I remember about it is that's it was all like, I this was the show too. Ryan yeah. Reynolds was in. And that's about it. And I think we've all been on this show. We talked about this before on the show. We're all Ryan Reynolds fans. I, I want to say for me, it would have first been 
Van Wilder, which we talked about a couple episodes back when we did that abysmal fucking Blue Mountain State show that was just trying to be Van Wilder. Mm. But anybody else? Is that the first place you tracked him? Probably as far as like remembering. But like I said, I saw some episodes of this show and I remember it, but like not well enough. I, w- I didn't even remember that it took place in Boston. So I thought it, he's a stand up comedian, right? No, no, just a funny actor. Who's the stand up comedian that looks kind of like him? Dane Cook. Yeah, I get them mixed up. Okay. They're both so famous. It's kind of wild to me that like. <laughs> You don't know who Ryan Reynolds is. <laughs> no, I don't. Bonkers. Because I don't watch TV. He was in multiple Super Bowl ads <laughs> this He's year. He's in so many things. Yeah. He's also in a million movies. Uh, you may know him from such great films as uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Never saw it. I would have went with Deadpool nowadays. No, I would have went with Hobbs and Shaw, the biggest Fast and Furious spinoff movie that is amazing. Well, I knew he was in Deadpool, but again, like I don't watch a lot of TV or movies, so I had no idea... Wasn't he in uh, Blade 3? Uh, that's a question for Ferg, but I'm pretty sure he was, yeah. I think like him and Triple H were in like the same scene or whatever, I think. He started in Waiting, which I think we all saw together in the theater very drunk. Which actually has him and Dane Cook in it. Yeah, Dane Cook's in that too. Maybe yeah. that's where I messed it up, because they're both very similar. They're not. Yeah, I will say that Ryan Reynolds made a career out of what he's doing. Dane Cook, I don't know what that guy's up to right now, but he's definitely not as popular as he he's actually was. back like on the stand-up circuit he just put out like a special recently he's been doing like the podcast rounds so how many things do you think he did before this he seems like he would have had some kid actor stuff i'm gonna say like five or six i'm gonna say he's been like in a bunch of things but as a background actor he's pretty young looking in this but yeah he could have been one of those guys who got a really early jump into acting so. i lost count but it's like like 20 ish okay yeah, but like so, one-off I mean, roles, probably real small no, stuff. he was in, there's a show called 15. He was in 18 episodes. The Odyssey, 13 episodes. Mm. Then one episode, one episode, one episode. Yeah, it's mainly that. But then uh, TV movies he was in, um, like at least three of those. John Larroquette show <laughs> in 1996. I wonder if, like those those other bigger shows, I wonder, like that he had a longer stint, I wonder if those were all like Canadian programming. Uh, yeah, good point. Uh, probably are, especially the the made for TV ones. Yeah, is this his first big break? We just went over all the things he was in. Well, the Odyssey. I don't know what the Odyssey is, but he was in thirteen episodes. As you know, shit. How old is he in nineteen ninety one? God, he would have been like twelve. Yeah, so he was young, young in that. But he was in a lot of the episodes. But yeah, so Gordon, to answer your question, this is probably yeah. This he had. A pretty decent career up until this point, but this is probably for the American audience. Yeah, this is his first, like, you know, starring role. He seems to be the star, anyways. Oh, he definitely is. And just to go over a couple of the things, like, this is a weird one, right? So IMDb has it says a 7.4 for the series, Rotten Tomatoes, 33%. <laughs> no audience score for that one. So, like, kind of a big difference. Rotten Tomatoes is a sham. But it's not even just that, though, because, like, say, for that part of Rotten Tomatoes, that's just critic score. And IMDb is more of an audience score review thing. So we see that just on Rotten Tomatoes alone sometimes with the two scores being, like, vastly different from one another. In this show, I'll be completely honest. As we're going into this, full discretion, I don't know how I'm voting yet. (laughs) Like, I really don't know. Oh, I do. I weirdly knew in this one pretty quickly, and it's in an order that may surprise you. 
yeah, and real quick, I just want to remind everyone to go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to our social medias, everywhere we can listen to us, all that stuff. I like to preach on it all the time. S1E1Pod on Instagram and X, our social medias that we're most active on. Definitely give us a follow there. Shoot us a DM. We like talking to you guys. We want to know shows you want us to cover. We're trying to work in some other ways to do some interactive stuff for you guys in the very near future. So keep on the lookout for that. And following our social medias is going to be the best way to know about that stuff. That's where we'll be announcing it. So again, S1E1Pod on those. Jay will be dancing on Instagram Live. Yes, well, across all platforms. Um, and I have a bad ankle, so I'm just going to be dancing for my seat. It's not going to be that entertaining, but we know we're going to do it to raise money. It'd be like, was it Guns N' Roses who had that tour where Axel broke his leg? So he had to be like in the chair in the middle. Everyone's running around going crazy, and he's like, You're in the jungle, baby. He's <laughs> like, so, like, Fuck me. Hey, good for him for fucking touring still, you know? Dave Grohl did that. Dave Grohl like broke his leg, right? And he just sat on like a. Th- throne for like a, he had like a game of thrones throne that he sat in for a whole tour yeah i mean that's smart show must go on yeah i mean there's i don't have a ton of like info on this show to discuss like ahead of getting into the actual episode i had no idea this was based in boston where this is where the pizza place is like not in the show but where the original pizza place they based it on is i lived right near for like 10 what years place is too. it what place is it Okay, so there's two different names that popped up, if you look it up, but the one thing they will say is it's in Teal Square. So right where we used to live. So what was it? It's not, it hasn't been a pizza place. It hasn't been that place in such a long time that to look it up from those names, I couldn't figure out what it is now or what it was when we lived there, because it would have been the place these guys worked at 10 years before they did this show. Yeah. But it was like a pizza place that was like more of a restaurant-y pizza place in Teal Square in... About 1988 or something. It was called the Broadway Eatery. So I assume the Broadway Eatery no longer exists. See, IMDb said that, but Wikipedia called it a different name. Oh, no, I went by IMDb. So I don't know. Yes, I, one of them is wrong. One of them is right. I don't know. But I, I had conflicting uh, information on them. Well, either way, this was supposed to be in Beacon Street in Boston. Well, no. Well, they, well, they name it like Beacon, like the Beacon Street, whatever. I mean, Beacon is... A- incredibly long street yeah it's a very big street <laughs> goes all the way down by me i yeah. feel like we're playing the fucking californians right now and i know yeah not from boston yeah, yeah, yeah like, there are people the listening guys. that could give a shit yeah uh that whole conversation just needed to be you know this was based on an actual place that the creators used to go to when they went to tufts and we could have moved right along from that well i thought it was interesting that a few of us lived right near there everyone oh, but Jake sure. lived right near there for a while sure until Gordo asked you like three times what's the name of the place and you just wouldn't tell him the name of it well, it's weird. So this and that happened, and then it moved. It's like, well, what's the name of it? When you said the name, and I can't confirm or deny that's the name. What do you want from me? Well, in any event, to get into the actual episode, it starts with um, Berg and Pete. Berg, Berg and Pete are the two main characters, and Pete's like working on something at the table when Berg bursts into the bedroom. Berg is the one who's played by Ryan Reynolds, and then, what is it, Richard Ricolo? I don't, I'm sorry. Ricky I don't Ricardo. Want... Oh, Ricky Ricardo. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, he plays, um, he plays Pete. You know, what's funny is when I was thinking about this show, I was thinking this guy was played by Nathan Fillion. No, he's in the show though. But then I, yeah, I was looking it up and he was in the show at one point. I was like, okay, I wasn't crazy. He was in there. Yeah. You know what he, the vibe he kind of gives is he has a little bit of a Jeremy Piven look to him. I have in my okay. notes, this just feels like PCU. 
Does okay? Did anybody just their chemistry? The two of them talking to each other. Does anybody else get a Randall and Dante yep. Dante vibe from them? Like, yeah, no, that was just... I was going to bring that up later because there's a there's a point in the episode later on where I really want to get into that. But yeah, no, they have a. This was Clerks in a Pizza Place at some point. Because this is only, what, five, four or five years after Clerks, right? Clerks, want to say it's like 94 yeah, or something. Yeah, so I can see how that was definitely a part of what could be in, in people's brains at the time. Because, like, the, the Skew Universe was very hot at the time. What got me is, it, less about the interaction, was he sounds like Dante. Like, his voice is There's very similar. There's a lot similar. of that, and it's also mixed with, and again, I want to get into it later, but it's the... You caused a problem and you're putting it on your friend because your yeah. friend's a little bit more of the loose cannon, but in reality, it's your fault. It 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 lines up with a lot of clerks. A lot of the storyline here aligns with clerks. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, whatever network this was did nix the line where he said, chicks with dicks, you put mine to shame, which was the funniest part of the pilot that they did cut. And I'd be, I, I wonder who had the, the rights to that clerks pilot that never got picked up. Is that on YouTube? Can we find a copy yeah, it's of that just to watch? Okay, I'd like to see it's that. It's a very bad quality video. The lo- when I saw it years ago, I don't know if there's a better one that's emerged since, but uh, it's something I'd like to cover. We haven't delved into pilots that didn't get picked up. We've kind of always talked about it, so maybe one day we'll we'll do maybe a special month. Well, or we're something. like the first televised, so if it was never televised, it's tough to do. It's a little bit of a cheat, but they're also our rules. So, I mean, if there's no televised, then it's the closest you get. I think that's like a month we do, right? As long as they're on YouTube and people can check them out. Maybe some Patreon material. To that end, I will say my buddy Daniel, who plays in the band Rebuilder, is going on the View Askew cruise next week because his band is in the Clerks 3 soundtrack. So just they do a, a cruise? It's pretty cool. Clerks 3, if you want to get a good cry in. So. I, I, we talk about this way too often, oh. but I think Clerks 2 is such a great movie. It is like way better than it has a right to be, considering what Clerks One is, and Clerks Three was definitely not what I expected, but very enjoyable. It's tough because I'm not. I don't want to get into a big Clerks discussion because we could talk probably hours about it. But I just I didn't want to be that bummed out at the end of this fucking arc. Like it just didn't need to happen. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, I don't want to get too into it. I'm. A, I was grew up a huge fan of all of those movies, but I will say in the last decade or so. Or longer, because Clerks 2 falls into this. It just seems that there are some movies that I don't love as much from Kevin Smith, but whenever the name Clerks is attached, he knows, like, okay, I gotta buckle down. Like, I can't fuck around when it's Clerks. People care about this enough that I have to do right by them, yeah. I miss my donkey. But yeah, to get back into this, because we're about eight seconds into the episode, you know, Berg runs in, and he's just, he's very he's a very loud character, and, you know, for what you know of modern Ryan Reynolds, everyone in America but Gordo, he has a lot of those same cadences and the way he, he delivers is very similar even back then. Yeah, I was surprised to see that he had he already had his tools, right? Like the, his go-tos. My wife and I were talking about this before we even decided we're going to cover the show a few weeks ago, talking about why he works and why other people who try to do him don't work. Because a lot of people try to do like their take on him. Ryan Reynolds is just like charming. You just, you like him. He's like, you, you want to be around him in a way that he, he was this early, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. And I think what happens and we said this again with like blue mountain state, which, you know, if you haven't listened, go back and check that out. Ryan Reynolds is doing Ryan Reynolds. Like this is a very unique to him way of acting, 
But so many people have tried to be Ryan Reynolds and it's not as authentic because it's clearly trying to be Ryan Reynolds when it's authentic and real. It, it does hit a lot better. Yeah. Like I don't want to get a beer with the dude from blue mountain state. I don't want to do anything with anybody within a hundred miles of blue mountain state. Not the same with Reynolds. One thing I don't love early on with this episode is, and this happens a lot. They force a lot of trying to explain things in unnatural dialogue. And I feel like up front, there's a lot of, well, blah, blah, blah. You would know you're a philosophy major and you should know this because you do this. It's, and it's a pilot, like, dude. And you, you have to do that. You, you don't have, have to. Do to. That. We've covered 150 plus of these now. Like you don't have to. But some do. It's 50-50. Some are exposition heavy. Some aren't. There's ways to do it. And just making it like that unnatural and sneaking it in right away to try to like overwhelm you with knowledge about these characters in the first minute by telling you too much is you could just slip it in as things go and like find clever ways to deliver it. We've seen plenty of cases in, in on both sides where you can do it really smart or you just force feed you. And I felt like here was a lot of force feeding information. I mean, we got their, their, their majors. That's it. I didn't think it was that overwhelming because it happens here, but the stuff keeps happening. Also, this whole front scene, this is about five minutes or four minutes, this whole opening scene. Very few cuts. This is very well done. They're just going, and their timing is very good, and there's not a lot of cutting around. Like, they're doing long one takes where they're not cutting and starting over again. And to go back to, like, that whole Clerks comparison, though, to those of you who are familiar with the characters, I mean, that does properly kind of describe Pete and Berg. Berg being the more Randall type He's less serious, uh, more like more of a wild card where Pete's um, a little more buckled down, but neurotic and kind of creates problems around himself as a result of that. He's a weight of the world guy. Yeah. And but we we kind of learned in this dialogue too that Berg, someone who I think if if applied himself more. There was a point where he's like triple majored and like he's like a smart guy. Yeah, they allude to he's like a genius. Yeah. They said yeah. they're in grad school. They're not in college. They're in grad school here. Yeah, because he says later on, uh, like Pete, that he's like about to turn 24 or 25 or something like that. Yes. But then like it was weird because after Pete's talking about how he was triple majoring and so how Berg was triple majoring without ever even needing to open up a book, uh, Berg goes, well, that's the wonder of me. And he's like you never try and apply yourself and blah, blah, blah. It's like, didn't you just say he triple majored? What do you mean? He doesn't apply himself. Like this doesn't like, doesn't I think he's saying up. that he triple majored and still didn't have to try. Yeah. But that's not like, then he, he gets at him though and says like how he's not like applying himself. And he says, he just skates by. It's like, well, that's not, I mean, who's just trying to skate by. doesn't triple major in fucking grad school. Not to, no, no, it was undergrad that he said triple grad and undergrad. He said he was a philosophy major in, grad school which i mean i don't want to shit on philosophy majors or anything but like it doesn't seem I'm gonna. super <laughs> yeah. impressive to be in grad school for that and allude that he's a genius like I this think is they Gordo's opinion not anybody else's opinion on the podcast right now what I'm, I'm it is my opinion i'm just saying that it's not like he was like in law school and in med school or anything like that that could have demonstrated that he was more of a, a genius in that way. Right. So just, just to recap for anyone who's attended grad school, unless you are a doctor or a lawyer, Gordo thinks that you do not apply yourself and you're not smart. 
He's not saying no right now. <laughs> this is not a feeding <laughs> trick. He's just not saying no. No, I'm not saying that outside of those two. I'm saying that there are. There's like three or four. Yeah, there's like there's a few. <laughs> yeah. But so Pete's going on, and he's just he's trying to explain. He's just a little anxious, but it's because he spent all night working on this project, and they both have work at three o'clock, and he's going to be breaking up with his girlfriend Melissa today. Did anybody else think that they were going to go the route of accidentally breaking this thing before? Because I thought Ryan Reynolds was going to somehow destroy this thing that he needed today. Yeah, because it almost happened when he barged in. It looks like, I mean, is he in like architecture or something? Like he has like this. Yeah, it's got to be architecture. I'd imagine so, right? Yeah, he's doing diagrams and stuff. Also, their apartment has a full size basketball net in it. <laughs> it's a huge apartment. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine too, they're in somewhere, they're in a building in Somerville, probably somewhere. No way. Uh, you, well, yeah, no. <laughs> but, yeah, you're not going to find anything that big. But that's just, you, you can't make a set out of a, an apartment like that. So you got to Well, embellish. I mean, yeah, but you can make a set and then, like, have, like, the little, like, laundry one, you know? Like, it doesn't have to be a giant backboard. They also have, like, a golf green. We, we see the, like, a little putting green, which you don't need a lot of room for those, but. I did that last week, actually. We have a long hallway downstairs, and we set up two cups and a golf thing in the middle. And we played golf for, like, an hour. It was great. You can also get the ones that are on the toilet, like greens come in all sizes. What? Oh, those greens come in all... I thought that was the name of a product. You're just saying that the putting greens come in all sizes. Correct. They have ones that go around your toilet, like those toilet uh, carpets that, remember, like back in the day, I don't know if anybody has those now. Yeah, those are, they're less popular these days, yeah. It, I mean, what was the use of that other than, like, it keeps your feet warm, but also it's just going to collect like pee particles yeah you're gonna pee on it all the time (laughs) well that's yeah i I needed to collect pee particles it's like the crazy stuff from generation before us where it's like you pave your whole backyard or like you get a fence and you put those weird metal slats in it so you can like just get a different fence then like don't get the fucking chain link fence and have somebody spend two weeks putting slats all over it (laughs) you know what always stands out to me the i had one too the padded toilet seat (laughs) Oh, yeah. Why oh, was yeah. that ever a thing? Eventually, a small air hole pops that, and then a bunch of pee gets into it, and then that <laughs> thing is just like a weird water weight. It's so gross. Yeah, it's like a leather-ish, too. Like, so you're just sweaty on it. It's gross. Everything about it is gross. I could see those making a comeback now that, like, this generation's locked into just dicking around on their phone all the time. So, like, now people probably are extending their toilet time by just, like, getting lost on social media. You got to find something that makes your feet not fall asleep or whatever when you're sitting. That's like the key to this generation. Like, you're going to be sitting for like 10 minutes reading a book, right? Or on your phone. They're talking and Berg's trying to get Pete to play with that little putting thing we were just talking about. He tells him he can't. He's running late. Berg's like, oh, don't worry. Sharon's going to stop in soon and we'll just have her give us a ride. He's like, well, how do you know that? He's like, well, I stole her last roll of toilet paper. It's a weird yeah, it's weird. all to kind of like cycle back. It's very sitcom because that, that cycles back soon enough. And when they get back to the Melissa conversation, it's, uh, well, what's going on? Like, why are you trying to break up with her? And he's just saying how, you know, they got a six-month anniversary coming up and starts talking about the lease being up on Hong Kong. <laughs> and was this like a popular topic at that time? This happened in 1997. Yeah. So the British Empire basically owned hong kong and gave it back in 1997 so there's like a whole big thing about that like there's a whole like sort of english reparations around this time where like they were giving stuff back like so the whole like the sun never sets on the british empire thing was stopping being a thing they weren't being like 
colonial, you know, like they were like, sorry about that, India and Hong Kong and all these places that we just like stomped over. So there's a lot of things that were like, this is interesting because this is not a show that mentions things that are happening right at that moment, but it mentions a lot of things that happened within the last three or four years, which makes you think this pilot script was kicking around for a while. And he's using that Hong Kong thing to kind of be a metaphor for his relationship with Melissa and while putting all this work in just for it to end. And he's going on about that and he's saying like, Melissa's great, but he just doesn't think that she's the one. And because of that, it's probably just time to kind of get away from the situation. He's also six months into a relationship. But, like, six months is a good amount of time to know, like, I don't think this is the person I want to be with forever. Like, maybe I should just tear the Band-Aid off now. It's also not long enough. No, I disagree. I think six months is enough time to know whether or not you, whether or not she's the one, I don't know. But whether or not you want to continue being in a relationship. All right. Well, that makes sense. I was going to say the one takes a little longer than six months. To know for sure that you're the one, for sure. To know for sure that you're not the one. I mean, you could figure that out on the first date. So, like, six months in and him being through that, like, that part of his relationship where he's like, we're about to hit a milestone and I don't know if this is someone I want to continue with. I think that's a fair argument on his side. Yeah. He should have nutted up then. Well, he's trying to. (laughs) And But not all girls bring you lasagna, right? That's the whole issue of this entire episode, so. That's how I knew she was the one. She also had a lasagna Monday. You are Dante. The one time. <laughs> you were Dante once. So while this is happening and during this conversation, we see Berg take a hit of like an inhaler. And this is an ongoing runner throughout the episode. And we find out that on the side, you know, while he's in school and working at this pizza place, he also tests out pharmaceuticals medicines to like find out side effects. And for not much money, he's like taking this inhaler throughout this whole episode for 50 bucks. What was 50 bucks in 1997 now? Yeah, 97's different than now. Probably closer to 100, maybe a little bit more. I was going to say, maybe about 100, but that's still to put medicine in you and to find out what bad side effects you're going to have. Like, I feel like I need a little bit of a payout for that. I will say, though, I knew plenty of people who, like, gave blood or platelets or, you know, or sold blood, rather, all sorts of stuff, medical stuff. Like, when you're young and you're just broke... It's like pretty common. At least it was when, when you know. Right. I was but first. if I had two options and it was like donate blood or take medicine because we don't know what it's going to do to your body. That's a very scary proposition. I feel like I got lucky because I had such a giant CD collection from being a kid until, you know, I was in my late teens, early 20s and moved out that CDs were still very valuable to sell used. So I never had to do any crazy medical experiments. I just sold like, you know a billion cds and like would be able to like get through yeah you'd be like hey you want to see these nuts <laughs> and see these nuts just like now are not uh, valuable gordas so i don't uh, think you have a good chance of selling them well fifty dollars in 1997 is worth 95.56 in today's money all right so not it not a small chunk of change not a you're not gonna pay the rent though for that time I also don't think the apartment they have with two people working at a pizza shop is going to get the rent paid either. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give it a pass, but I feel like it's like the one universal pass you give every sitcom because nobody seems to live in a realistic situation. Sure. But I mean, as somebody who lived in a lot of apartments in Boston, right? Like I had apartments where I lived with five people and I lived on the couch and paid $100 a month in rent. You know what I mean? Like 
it's tough going in some of these apartments when you, you I've never had more than or less than three roommates until I moved in alone with my wife. The conversation turns into how, you know, you when you're dating someone, you have to like get used to them and like everyone has their own quirks that you have to find out. And Berg gets curious and asks Pete, what's Melissa's quirk? And he's like, well, nothing. And he tries to walk away from the situation. And I really love this. He like gets his putter and he like uses it to block him from walking away. And he like drops it like right in between two books on the bookshelf. Like (laughs) in like, in like real quick fashion, right as Pete's walking and it like stops him like at the neck. And I was like, wow, like the, the timing of that was phenomenal. I wonder if they meant to do it. I, I, like, I'm not sure that was even intentional. It yeah, was so it perfect. Yeah, it almost seemed yeah. too perfect to script. You know, like if you, to, to script it that precise, I feel like you would do it a million times and risk puncturing him in the neck <laughs> with the fucking butter. I wonder if they like practiced or like rehearsed together. Because like I said, too, there's a lot of stuff here. There's no cuts. It feels like they maybe hung out for a week or two and like ran lines and like physically maybe did stuff. But even then, still, you do it a thousand times and fuck up the putter. Yeah, because while he's doing it, I'm looking at it because you can see there's like, it's almost like a line of encyclopedias and there's one book missing. And the way he shot that like end of the putter right into the like wedge where that one missing book was, like, I was like, that's such a tight shot to like just do that so fast like that. Oh, so guys, the uh, median rent in Boston that I found, because obviously there's low through high but the median rent was 1076 to 1340 in 19 in 1998 in 2000 in 2000 so there's the data was from 1990 2000 or 2010 so that's about as close as i can say for how many bedrooms that is no it just says boston rent prices maps of average rent prices unfortunately i don't have that data now it is about 2500 bucks probably yeah but also, I mean, it's all to scale to a to a bit of a degree, right? Because also people were making way less money than we're making now. So it's the re- the rent shoots up, but people do fail to remember that like minimum wage in 98 was probably I well, yeah, I remember when I started working in 2001, it was 675 in Boston and it was probably a little less a few years prior. So, I mean, you're not taking into account into account though inflation. If you look at those, there's a lot of calendars that show not calendars, but like charts that show this. The minimum wage doesn't increase anywhere near what the rent or the inflation no. does. So, it seems like that probably evens out, but it really doesn't. It would be way harder now for us to have the jobs we had then with a yeah. comparable salary to pull off. Sure. I mean, minimum wage is almost like triple what it was though. When we started working. So, I mean, I took for it, granted how much money yeah. I was making at that age. <laughs> like I was making like $11 an hour in like 2003, which was silly money at the time. I squandered it all. Oh yeah. When you're like 17, you're like, I got tons of money. I was making dirt money. Like I said, I was, you know, 2001, I'm pushing carriages for 675 and not, and you're working like three hours after school, a few days a week, and then you get your check and it's like 60 bucks. Like, okay. Yeah, you're not full time. Nick and I, we were lucky at the gas station. We got tips. So that would make a whole weekend. Sometimes you get a busy Saturday. You can make 30 bucks, 40 bucks in tips. I want to say my weekly was like $97 at yeah. when I first started. Yeah. So what was everybody's first job? I know what your first job were, but. I don't think our listeners do know. I pumped gas at a gas station. <laughs> well, my, f- I mean, my first way of getting any income before I had an official job, I used to 
like on holidays, I used to like sell flowers outside of a of a pharmacy with my grandfather. Drug. I forgot about that. So yeah. like oh, yeah. I did that when I was a kid, but then after, my first official job was at the comic book store in town. That was the first time like I had like a, a proper that was your first job. Yeah, it was before I worked at the supermarket. I started at the supermarket when I was 15. I worked at the comic book store when I was 14. Oh, okay. I was a dishwasher. My very first job was mowing lawns at the sewage treatment plant outside of our town. And that was surprisingly one of the most fun, insane jobs I've ever had. That was your first job? I thought you did the gas station before that. No, so I worked at the... Because I, I put up garage doors under the table. Like, I worked doing that for a while. And then I did the sewage treatment plant into working at Staples from Staples went to the gas station and I still have some Staples shirts. I don't think they'd fit me now, but every time I need to go to the Staples, I'm always like, it'd be so fun to just put one of these shirts on and just like walk in and like wait for someone to be like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> I feel like, you know, at the point where you're barreling on 30, like some guy with his belly sticking out of a Staples shirt from circa 2004 isn't here. Just call the fucking cops. Like what is happening? So to get back into this conversation, Berg's still going on. He wants to find out what M- Melissa's cork is, and Pete doesn't want to say it, and finally he gets it out of him, and he's like, well, you have to promise you're not going to say anything. And we find out that when they're making Whoopi, Melissa just starts to laugh, but like not like in an enjoyable way. Like She laughs maniacally, and it's like the... It's like... When he started imitating it, I was dying. I don't know how I would respond to that if that that's happened. The first to me. thing I thought of, like, how do you respond to that? That's so off-putting. Like, I, that's going to take you out of the moment real easy. Like, all of a sudden, you're having sex with Doctor Claw, and you're like, yeah. I don't know what to do right now, <laughs> but I guess I'm going to finish. So, as this conversation is rolling through, that's when Sharon heads in, and she storms in, and she says, "You guys suck," and, and goes right into the bathroom. And obviously, we know that the toilet paper was stolen. She figured out. That that happened, and that's why she's like mad and running it. Well, she threw the toilet paper roll off of uh, Berg's face when she right. walked by. So now, you know, flash forward a little bit in the scene, and she's when she's done in the bathroom, she comes back out. Pete's like, "Why do we suck?" To like continue on from when she left, and you think it's to talk about you stole my toilet paper, but this goes back to what I was saying before: unnatural dialogue. She goes, "You guys suck." Runs in the bathroom, comes out. Why do we suck? Oh, because we all graduated together, but now I have to put on heels, which I hate and work at this job and I sell chemicals and you know, you guys are doing this. And it's like, that. this doesn't make sense. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't why they suck. <laughs> this is you now telling us what you do for a living in a very unnatural way. Instead of saying, cause you stole my fucking toilet paper. This episode is 20 minutes long and they front load everybody's story into these first five. So they take the first quarter of the episode. They're just like, look, sorry, we're just going to push everything out. And again, that's a way to do it. It doesn't bother me in a pilot. I just don't like it because we've but we've covered it before. I still don't think you have to do it. I don't think you have to tell me everything about every character because I think it's more important that we just get a, a dynamic for their vibes and like their overall relationships with one another. And you can mention what they do at points. It could be just a throwaway line later where like she's at the pizza place and goes, Oh, I got to get back to work. I, you know, the I'm selling chemicals to this blah, blah, blah. And we could find out more about that later. We don't need a full origin story. This is, we talk about this with movies too. You don't need to get this like rich in detail thing for every single person. There's only so much you can cover in 20 minutes. Leave more time for the story 
and less time for the having to catch me up with everything. Like there's time to learn about them all. The way I would have done it is I would have just had a quick aside with her. Like, oh, I have to go to work. Like, oh, are you going to go sell toxic sludge again? Be like, yeah, I hate my job. But you love your Beamer. Yeah, I love it. And then she leaves. And then you understand everything about yeah. that character without a whole few minutes. I Without do get sacrificing you can, a lot of time in the episode. You can be right. more economic. I think this episode, again, my thought is that because of the references, this was written a few years earlier. This feels very much like first album syndrome. Like the, the writers for this slaved over it. And it's like their total baby. They waited for years on it, right? And then every other episode, now they just have to write. There's mm. no years of them perfecting it, right? So I think that they're just trying to push in so much and they don't want to leave anything out because they're like, well, this is how we show. And hey, you know, we made the Kevin Smith clerks comparison. This is fucking wordy. <laughs> like, this is like how Kevin Smith writes. And this whole, it works for a movie. Like, the, the whole episode is like this. Like, I don't think that there's no physical comedy, like, whatsoever. This is a dialogue-heavy TV show. You, but you're throwing in to me again, and, and you guys can disagree. I just feel like you're throwing way too much dialogue at me right now that may be important to the overall scope of the show, but not the specific episode. So, like, the main thing of this episode is his need to break up with his girlfriend. And we were already like a uh, fourth of the way into the episode in one scene talking about tons of things that aren't related to that. Correct. And then rather than get the dynamic between all the characters, because I still don't understand her dynamic with the other two. Like, are they neighbors? Are they roommates? Well, they do mention they went to school together. Yeah, the way I interpret it, they went to school together and she lives in the same building as them in a different apartment. I'm assuming that's how he got the toilet yeah, paper upstairs. He says yeah. upstairs and she has no roommates because she has a real job to what they say makes a fuck ton of money. And we didn't mention who she is, but she is uh, Trailer Howard. She is Norm MacDonald's girlfriend in Dirty Work. Yes. Yeah. I know her mostly. I, it was driving me nuts because I couldn't figure out why I knew her. And it was from Monk. That's like the the other huge thing. She was on every episode of Monk. <laughs> when she popped onto the episode, I was like, hey, it's the guy that Norm goes, hey, Mildred, at like five times in Dirty <laughs> Work. And I, then I said, and Nick will know her from Monk because Nick <laughs> loves his USA originals so much. I do. Well, What's I used funny to. is like when I saw her, I was like, I know her. And then I look it up and it's def for me, it was definitely Dirty Work. But like, I felt like there was something bigger. Like that she was in and there was same. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, I yeah. don't know. I mean, maybe you just saw enough monk in passing. It was on all the time. I watched no monk. I mean, I probably caught clips here and there. I've only ever watched an episode or two of it, but it was like my mom always watched it. So I always caught pieces of an episode. Nick, did you watch the movie? I didn't. I just, uh, I'm not even sure. I saw the finale of that show. I just kind of fell off of it. And Ferg's not here. Our other resident monker. So, uh, <laughs> I do know that, so, like, the the plot, I, you know what, I did see the, the fucking finale, because it, the Monk's wife died. Like, that's, like, the whole plot, is, like, he's Whoa! all fucked up since no, his wife died, Is that died, the right? plot of the show or the finale? The show, right, but okay. there was, like, a, there's a big... <laughs> Ten seasons yeah. and just kill somebody's fucking wife. <laughs> no, there's a big, um, there's a big reveal, and, like, she, it, it's, like, a flashback or a dream or something like that, and it's Melora Hardin plays his wife. I was like, oh, oh nice. shit, it's Jan. So, uh, the conversation... Is going on again. It's very dialogue heavy, and it words into like before where they're convincing her to give them both rides to where they're heading. And in passing, as they're leaving, 
Berg mentions, oh, Pete's going to be breaking up with Melissa today. And she goes, good. And he's like, whoa, I thought you liked her. She goes, lied. And <laughs> we've talked about this before. It comes into play later. Too soon. But like, close your lips. <laughs> Just whenever you have a friend who's in a fresh breakup, not even broken up yet, like, didn't even pull the trigger yet. Do not share your feelings. Or share them because the person who is going to be in that situation knows they're in the middle of a bad idea and they won't be mad later on when you talk about it, as we've described in this podcast. But in that case, just be like, support his idea, but don't be like, she sucks because he hasn't pulled the trigger. So it might not work out the way you think. Now we get into the intro and I'm a little confused here. So it's funny because what I thought when I watched it was validated when I was reading up on side notes. I'm listening to this and I'm going, this is a cheap parody of Blister in the Sun. Yep. And then when I'm reading it, it says in the first season they use an instrumental version of Blister in the Sun, but this is not the same song. not it. No. And now now I'm going through YouTube trying to find videos thinking maybe they had to like make a fake version for like syndication, but I found nothing that actually showed like the original like an uh, instrumental version of blister in the sun so i don't know if it was fake information well we've had we've had this issue before right the the version we find isn't the same because of you know it's gone through so many licensing issues too in the in the past 30 years you know by the time it got to us and however it got to it can you even watch this on anything i don't think you can it might be a drew uh, carey situation i don't know yeah like i remember one of them was like, what, Grace Under Fire, I think the song changed. There's a bunch of them, uh, situations like that. But Blister in the Sun is such a specific known riff. Usually, when they do things like this, if there was, if they did use the Violent Femmes originally for the first season, usually you can find like a video somewhere of it with its original intro. And I, maybe it just doesn't exist right now, but I couldn't find anything to verify that they actually used an instrumental version of the song for the first season. But it is very much a fake version of that song. Yeah. That's going to suck, too, when you're like a band who, like, that was like a fairly big song for them, but they weren't a band who became, like, massively huge or anything. You know what I mean? We're like, you couldn't just fucking license our song and, like, give us a few mortgage payments out of here. You had to just copy it enough to not pay us, you fucking dickheads. But you know what that is, though? And I'm I'm completely talking out of pocket, but... It's usually not the band. It's whatever label they're on. And they go, yeah, you can have it. We want $500,000. And then they go, ah, or we can find these uh, studio musicians to copy the song <laughs> yeah. and make the WCW version. And we'll just use that instead. I had a bunch of concerts that I had, you know, tickets for when COVID happened that never actually happened. And one of them was the Violent Femmes and X. And I'm so sad that show didn't happen. I missed. I had a ton of tickets at that time. Most shows got like rescheduled and rebooked. The one that didn't get rebooked that really bummed me out was um, Melancholin, who like I'm a big fan of theirs and they're from Sweden. I was going to say they're from Sweden. That's a tough tour. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Like, I think I saw them when I was a kid, but I don't even know for sure. I know they played like a warp tour early on that I went to, but I don't even know if I saw them. And now I was like, I was really excited to finally like go and like enjoy them as an adult especially with all the albums that have come out since. And that was like the one show that they did not rebook. And I was so bummed. I got hosed the other way on it where we had tickets to go see whatever version of the dead Kennedys is out there now, but DOA was opening. So I really wanted to just go see DOA. And I was like, Oh, it's perfect. It's downtown. Like we'll go see DOA open. 
and then we'll watch like one song whatever terrible version of the dead kennedys there is with whoever's singing now and then we'll get dinner it'll be great and that was for like march 2020 so that got canceled and then they were like we're not gonna refund you on it this show will be rescheduled and i was like okay and i waited a year and a half they're like show is rescheduled and now doa is not on it and i was like can i have a refund now and they're like yes you can it's like you could have just given my 40 bucks back a year and a half ago what the fuck I had the same similar thing with Ozzy. I was going to go see him in New Hampshire and then 2020 hit and I forget who was going to open for him, but they were okay. Like I think it was Alice Cooper. I've seen Alice Cooper before, you know, good show, Ozzy and Alice Cooper. And Alice is a legend. You're not going to be mad about seeing him. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be mad, but I've seen him before. And then it got rescheduled and then he broke his hip and that was the final thing of it. But he was going to come... He was going to come back again and Judas Priest was going to open for him. And I was like, oh, sick. That will be great to see Judas Priest and Ozzy. And then then the hip happened. That's what happened. Then the hip happened. And then that was the end of that. It's a bummer that we're all fans of music that we're at a generation of like, we got to go see them because we're in the hip breaking years. <laughs> and like once we once you hit the hip breaking years, it's usually a pretty quick decline from there. I think the show was in Augusta, Maine, too. Like, it was, like, stupid far away, but the tickets were, like, 25 bucks. No, it was in Bangor, because you asked if I wanted to go, and I was like, I'm not driving five hours to a casino in the middle of nowhere, Maine, when I could drive for an hour to Boston and see it and, like, hang out with people. And I just want to make it real clear for people listening who don't know, when Joe said DOA, he means uh, Dead or Alive, who did You Spin Me Around, it's one of his favorite bands. Correct, yeah. (laughs) Much like a record, baby. After this, we cut to the next scene, and now we're actually in the pizza place of the famed name, the pizza place, and two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. And again, that's um, it, this is the fictional Beacon Street pizza that was based on the Broadway eatery in uh, in Somerville, which um, I saw. And I, I don't know if this is a if this was a real note or he was joking in an interview, but I guess when he was promoting Van Wilder, Ryan Reynolds was in Boston. And he was trying to find the pizza place, but he thought that the name in the show was the actual name of the pizza place. So he was trying to find the Beacon Street pizza <laughs> to uh, to no avail. And I also love how they they pretty much didn't. Not that I saw, anyways. They're like in between scene cuts, like they're interstitials. There, there was no actual footage of Boston. They didn't even bother getting <laughs> like you know just like B roll footage. Maybe it's me, right? Because. I, we've talked about this in other shows we've covered and just in general, when Boston is represented on a lot of shows, it's often like a, a big caricature of Boston and they overdo it. And I like to just see just normal. Like I don't need Celtic stuff everywhere and bad accents and Dunkin' yeah. Donuts cups. Like I don't want that. Like I just want it to be like, Hey, we're in the city. It happens to be Boston. And here i think they did that well like this is just they happen to be in boston that's yeah, it i agree when i was watching it my wife was like oh this is set in boston like where are their accents that was actually the first thing that she said to me was where are their accents and i went well they're transplants they're college students yeah, so right exactly yeah. that is the way around it because we don't necessarily know where they're all from and even if they're from mass but like not close to the city that would justify that like we have all big boston accents at times Joe doesn't, but I don't mine, yeah, um, mine is very dependent on how aware I am while I'm speaking. So, like, if I'm aware of it, it doesn't come out as strong. Mine comes out when I drive. <laughs> so when we're in the pizza place, 
Berg and Pete meet up. Berg's asking Pete, how did it go? Oh, it went pretty good. He's like, oh, you didn't do it. He's like, no, I, I'm setting up a lunch date. We're going to do it here. Like, what? why? <laughs> Making her come to your work and then bringing up with her at your work is a weird I, I need home move. turf for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't need the home field advantage there, buddy. You just do it. And then you, because you don't want her coming to your work after. I mean, she's not going to come, I think, after anyway. Like, you're not going to go to your ex girlfriend's work unless you are a, make the mistake of dating somebody you don't expect to be in a long term relationship with who works at a place you go to all the time, which I think everybody we know, somebody who's been in that situation, and it's always messy. Yeah. He does have a bunch of index cards with all these planned phrases and things to say under different circumstances. Like when she starts to cry, like <laughs> what if she says this? And it's like, uh, I think they're, again, they're really painting the picture of like what kind of character he is with that. There's a little bit of an odd couple quality to the two of them, but, uh, I love the condescending nature too, though. Of like, here's a bunch of cards. I will read to you why this breakup is good for you. Like, yeah. that's just like the wrong way to go about this, buddy. While all this conversation's happening, you have Berg who's like fixing one of the cushions, like the leather cushions on the boots with like duct tape. And he's like yelling over to the owner of the place, Bill, about like, you know, put a little bit of money into this place to, you know, upgrade a little bit. And Bill, again, it sucks Ferg's not here, but he was shown up in The Last Dragon. He's also in Richard Pryor's Moving, which I think is one of those amazing underrated 80s movies. And you know, like our famous line, not to get ahead. One thing that kind of bummed me out was I found out like after the first season, like he got phased out of the show and I thought he was great in this. Like he was yeah. like just for a good side character. Like he was very charismatic and funny. Like, I don't know why you'd want to get rid of him. He's the adult anchor that these sort of not they're adults, but they're young. Like he's the realist person who has business and he's been through stuff and he's older. Like you need a character like that to help ground these sort of spiraling young kids. My whole thing with this show was I thought the two guys and the girl owned the pizza place. That was my assumption, not really seeing this show. Oh, I mean, I never really thought of it. I guess so like that never crossed my mind that like they could potentially It's in the name. Why make the name super long? Two Two guys, guys, a girl girl on a business loan. Yeah. Business loan. Yes. (laughs) Two guys, a girl and a mountain of debt. Yes. A lot of pizzas. Yeah, when Bill's going into that whole like retort to like when he's asking him about replacing the cushions and he's oh well maybe we'll do this and this and this and then he starts like yelling he's like you know well that w- then it won't be Beacon Street Pizza anymore and like not the same place my daddy built and like he's like just you know build your own damn place and it's funny because Berg's the one who suggested just replacing the cushions but somehow his anger transferred and he's just yelling at Pete the whole time. I do like the transference that Ryan yeah, Reynolds Ferber, is able right? to do on Ferber. every situation. I mean, we don't, we don't Can hear his point full out name how at funny any point it is in that this the episode. guy's name is Berg. But his name is uh, Michael Berg. Berg on the uh, show. The character's actual name. Well, that makes sense because Mike's usually get their name shortened. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, we're a show that has two Mikes in it, and none of my friends that are named Mike go by Mike as, like, it just... I don't know if I feel like um, in the newer generations, it's not, it was like leaps and bounds. The number one name, I think when we grew up and there was like so many mics everywhere, I feel like that's died down a bit, probably because it was so common that like all of you fell into what you fell into where no one could be just called Mike (laughs) because there were too many. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There was only one mic and then the rest had to go. But I don't even know if we had one. Like all our friends that were Mike's, like no one just went by Mike. Like I can't think of anybody. 
No, and I mean, I'll go by Mike at, like, work. Yeah. With you guys, like, when there's seven different mics, you can't all say, hey, Mike, and then yeah. each of us turn around. Mike, check, Mike, check. But I just think it's funny that every time you say Berg, I think of Ferg, who's not here. We also get um, one of the professors, Mr. Bauer, who's sitting at one of the tables, and I guess his thing is that he just, he hangs at the pizza place, like, he doesn't have a lot going on, and... He just lies to people all the time and uses the plots for movies to describe his own life. I think that's amazing. That's some weird shit, though. But um, Gordo, were you able to? Were you able to identify who Mister Bauer was? No. He played Major Charles Winchester in 131 episodes of Mash. No shit. I'm gonna say you're our resident Mash guy. I thought like if anyone was gonna be able to pick up on that, he didn't really have any close-ups and i watched it on the phone i i t- i've said before you watch on the phone you always claim you don't <laughs> that is no way to watch an episode but i mean yeah 130 something episodes of mash i thought like you being the mash guy right right that's off why the we bat, call you mashed potatoes <laughs> why were you insulted by that as if we actually call you mashed potatoes you like look down in sadness don't want to be mashed potatoes i don't know i have no, I have no retort Th- that would be his big claim to fame uh he has a lot of credits, but that was his, his uh, biggest thing. David Steers? David Ogden Steers. Oh, no shit. Okay. Okay. Well, he, he, so when he is Major Winchester, he does, he's clean shaven. Here, he's got a mustache. He's an older fellow now. This is 25 years later. Weirdly, the misfits keep popping up in episodes, uh, but he is the announcer in THX 1138. But yeah, in any event, yeah, Mr. Bauer, like our first introduction to him is him just going, hey, Pete, I found that article on Marlon Brando's trainer. <laughs> He's like, uh, thanks, Mr. Bauer. Like, like, you know, this, he didn't ask for it. He probably brought it up in conversation like during class one day. But again, he's I feel bad because I feel like they use that character to be the example of what you don't want to be. But he seems like a genuinely nice guy. He's just like lonely and makes up stories to be interesting was anybody else thrown off by that comment though like what that meant marlon brando's trainer were like they trying to make a joke about marlon brando being overweight i mean like, this is like island of dr moreau era marlon brando or do they mean like his acting coach like his trainer like he's like an adler person right he's like a fucking method actor aka not acting like I, i'm somebody now like it's not acting it's something different I didn't really think about it much, but I, I felt like, it, if anything, it was just one of those follow-up to a conversation we didn't witness. So, like, I didn't, I didn't think much about it, and just kind of the absurdity of it was just enough to make you get that cheap chuckle. I guess, yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I spiral out on for 10 minutes, and I'm like, what did that mean? What kind of trainer did they talk about? This point of the episode is when Melissa shows up for her breakup dinner that she's unaware of. She heads in. And right away, she has, like, a thing of cookies that, like, her, I guess she's, she must be a teacher. Uh, like, she said, like, her class made these, and she gives them to Pete. It is funny, Jay, for what you mentioned in the first sort of quarter of this episode, where they're just like, we're going to give you every single detail about every one of these characters to a point where you're like, this feels like too much. Right here, Melissa comes in, she's like, my students made these, and you're like, oh, she's a teacher. Yeah, but that's all you need sometimes, you know? Like, nobody questioned what her job is at that point. I don't know why they have to make cookies and then put it in this giant fucking basket like it's a like it's a holiday gift. Well, they all love Pete, she says. But it looks like an Easter basket. 
Like it was just, I don't know. It was just like a, a giant pre- uh, presentation for these cookies. But regardless, as we're recording this, it is um, Girl Scout cookie season. Have uh, Have you guys taken part? Have you bought any? Do you have a favorite Girl Scout cookie? I have not seen them out anywhere yet. No, I haven't seen them. I God, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw somebody selling Girl Scout cookies. They honestly. don't do that here. There were, oh yeah, I was gonna say around us, there was some people soliciting. I bought them through someone else, but I haven't received them yet. But you're probably a Thin Mints yeah. guy, aren't you? Thin Mints, yeah, yeah, because they're phenomenal. Those in um the Samoas are the best. Those too. Samoas are the best. Samoas are, I think, the yeah. best. Samoas yeah. are the uh the ones with the caramel and the uh, coconut. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. it's yeah. like every yeah. couple of years they flip the name back to. Caramel Delights or some Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so, okay. I like the Caramel Delights. I like whatever they call those. The last time I bought them when somebody came to our house when I still lived in the city, and they, like, they knew where they were going, and they were like, no, this year we have gluten-free ones. And I was like, get my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> like, they weren't really yeah. gluten-free, though. It's just, like, Sharpie on the box. <laughs> right, but if they weren't, I would have bought, like, one box and, like, brought them to work or something. You know what I mean? Like, you're not yeah. going to not buy them, but I wasn't going to, like, indulge if they were like, we have gluten-free this year, and I was like... I'll take like five of those, I guess. How well, were they? Hopefully these are good. Were the gluten-free Girl Scout cookies good? Yeah, they were good. I forgot the flavor they were, but there's a lot of good gluten-free. Uh, as of this week, they so Oreo makes a delicious gluten-free. Now that this week they made the golden Oreos gluten-free. Oh, good. You know, I don't even know if I told you guys. I might have. I think I, I did like send you a picture at one point. I recorded a whole video of me doing a side-by-side comparison review, and I just never edited it. <laughs> Like, of the so regular like, gluten-free Oreos? Yeah, so like I did like a back-to-back taste test and, and like did the whole thing, and I was like, oh, I'll put it on our YouTube. And like, and your just, thoughts? Well, gee, I guess spoiler if I ever put the video out. But um, taste-wise, very similar. Texture of the cookie, very different. And that would be the one tell sign that they're different. They're a little crispier. That's what gluten does. So other than that, flavor, absolutely fine. But yeah, the texture is the, the main thing that you would have noticed different. They're one of the best ones. It seems like people have figured out that sort of thing and pasta the best. Mm, not a fan of the pasta. You got to get the right one. There's a lot of different companies, a lot okay. of different blends. Okay, I'll give you that. Maybe I'm just having the wrong one. Same thing with pizza. Pizza's not... Pizza is usually terrible unless there's very few people who do it well. The problem is, is Gordo, you worked in the food industry for a long time. One person made one that everybody could buy. Yep. Like a mass market one. So everybody uses it and that one stinks. Whenever I think of like gluten-free bread, I think of Udi's. I think, or Udi, is it? I think that's, that's the, the company who makes the like gluten-free pizza crust. So yeah. every time I had to put them in a fridge for breakfast or whatever, they would always fall apart, no matter what you touch them. And it's just like they crumble to dust. And I'm like, why the fuck would anybody eat this? Like, what poor soul has to eat this shit? It's because Udi's has no gluties. And that's why it falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> <laughs> you got a snort out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. I honestly feel like you should like send a letter to Udi's. Be like, guys, <laughs> no. I know you get solicited all the time. However, ladies and gentlemen, we got one. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the night. We're done now. You can can have that one. Use that one if you'd like. So Pete's having this breakup conversation or trying to now, and he sits her down and he gets right into that whole thing about like, let's see, you know how the lease is running out on Hong Kong? And she's like, sure. And then, but then she goes into like, yeah, but there's a stipulation about how China has to ensure the preservation of Hong Kong's way of life, both socially and economically for the next 50 years. And he's like, oh, um, 
all right, so like Hong Kong's still going to be Hong Kong. It's like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and like, it's just kind of like his whole, everything's out the window now. And he, and he's starting to fumble and now he doesn't know what to say. And he's, she notices the index cards and then he spills water on them because he's trying to like fidget to get them out of the way. Uh, he's obviously very nervous. Doesn't want to, doesn't know how to present this situation. That's a lucky move by pouring the water on the index cards and making them pretty much illegible. He saved himself from the, what if he left one on the table? Yeah. And while they're doing all this, you see like Berg and Bill watching on from afar and kind of doing the sports commentary where they're like, you know, talking to one another. So that was, um, that was like a fun cutaway. This is why you're sad that he's not in the further seasons because he's so good as this character with them. Yeah, I thought so. I, and I, I think him and uh, Ryan Reynolds actually had good chemistry with one another. So when, when Bill goes, take him out. He's done. I laughed so <laughs> yeah. genuinely hard at that. Like he is so yeah. funny in this scene. You get the most Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds in this part too. And he's like, Bill, I don't believe we've seen the last of this feisty young girl from Wisconsin. Like the way he delivered, like, and I'm not doing it justice, but it is the quintessential, like Ryan Reynolds cadence and delivery It yeah. was right in this single line. Yeah. Like that's watching that dude do whatever he's going to do for the next 25 years. And Pete walks over to them during this, like uh, he excused himself for the table and he's like, Telling them how he can't go through with all this uh, with them leering over him. And <laughs> Berg's like, I have to leer. He'd be suspicious if I wasn't. She'd be like, why isn't he leering? And he's like rambling on and on. And while that happens, takes out his tape recorder again and goes, uh, 310, starting to babble because he has to log all his side effects, which I, I did think was a funny runner. I like this because like, and going back to dirty work, right? Like that was always a Norm Donald like note to self, right? Like he would always do that, but it was just for his own edification. It felt a little bit like I was at the beginning of this. I was like, oh, he's kind of doing the Norm riff. But then when you realize that he's doing it because he has to log any symptom changes for his things, you're like, oh, that's actually a really fun gag for the whole show. That they, I bet they have a lot of fun with. Yeah, I was wondering if this was like a one-off or something that would continue on for future episodes. I would hope they do because it works well. And then they're warning Petey has to get back to the table before he loses his girl to Bauer. And he goes, oh, shit. And he runs over. And while... <laughs> While um, Bauer's talking to Melissa, he's telling her a story, and we found out already that he, he kind of tells tall, tall tales that all happen to be movies, and here he's clearly just talking about Jaws. It was, I don't know, I find it funny, but I did think it would have been, especially with the next example after two, I thought maybe he could have used movies that were a little more believable, but clearly movies, and not jaws and casablanca later and things like that and jaws is a massachusetts movie which also feels like wrong place people are gonna know it see i like that though i thought that was funny that you would say movies that everybody is familiar with well joe also it's not hey this is a massachusetts movie obviously we're gonna identify jaws it's a you shot a fucking shark with an oxygen tank and it smelled like it's like yeah that that's the that's the tell sign yeah, exactly. What if his whole thing was he just does Roy Scheider movies? So always he's just doing, he could do uh, Naked Lunch, 52 Pickup. They, they do one of those things also where if you don't get the joke, they nudge you hard in the direction. They do it with both movies. He's walking Mr. Bauer off. He's like, you're a brave man, Mr. Bauer. And then you and Richard Dreyfus swam back to shore. Like It was like just in case you didn't understand that this was Jaws, they had to like throw that one in at you. Yeah, I really like that. 
I did like it. I thought it was a good joke, but it's a weird thing. I sometimes have these moments when I'm watching a movie, like thinking about when I first saw it. Like I remember watching Ferris Bueller when we were like, I don't know, 10 or 11 or 12 years old and being like, that's only a 10 year old movie. It didn't feel like it was an old movie at a point like this. You're like watching Jaws and you're like, oh, at this point, Jaws is only a 20 year old movie. The 20 year old movie right now is from 2003. That's like after this TV show came out. You know what I mean? Like time is just fucking son of a bitch sometimes. Four. Breaks, yeah, I want to talk about it. While he's walking Mr. Bar away, he's telling him, hey, you know, like basically you're a lucky guy, you know, you, that girl you got over there. And he looks over, Pete looks over at his girlfriend, Melissa, who's like, I think in that moment realized like he's making the wrong decision and should stay with her because he is a lucky guy and she's a good girl. He heads back to the table and now he's he doesn't even know what he wants to do anymore. And he's still fumbling around and things are like, falling and he's obviously not acting his normal self and she's joking like what are you trying to break up with me he's like no no not at all why are we having problems and she's like no you're just acting weird and then she looks over to berg who's like not far away and going berg what have you done to him like being you know just joking around and berg doesn't know what's going on he's obviously not listening to everything and he goes hey this one isn't me i'm the one who told him he shouldn't break up with you and you just got the no yeah and like she's obviously pissed and he's trying to get around it and saying like no he's evil like he's that's not and she's like you know he may be evil but at least he's honest and she blows up on him and basically it was just one of those she just gives him like this big dialogue she's gonna leave and then she's like you know what and and goes back and starts talking to him and Saying like 10 years from now when you're fat and alone and you have to wear a baseball cap at Club Med to hide your hair transplants, remember, you had a good thing here and you blew it. And you start hearing cheering and like right before they cut, I just assumed it was studio audience until you see it's like all the girls and like the softball team hanging out in the back that are cheering her on. What's great about that is that it's such a good little thing because you hear Ryan Reynolds mention that in a one-off line at the very beginning. He's like, don't go to work. Why don't we go watch the girls softball game? So then when he's at work yeah. later, he brings the girls softball team to his work. Like, that's such a weird <laughs> writing yeah. thing where I was like, I didn't expect them to close that loop, but good on them. Also, if you were just got hair plugs and they were in a position where they were so bad you had to wear a hat, I think you'd push off your club med vacation until, like, <laughs> things were a little further along, right? You, yeah, probably you can't be, even like, jump in the pool yet. Yeah. Right? yeah, you can't even be without a hat on. Like, that's not a good scenario. So we kind of get, like, a flash, like a break to later on in the day. And you see, um, not Melissa, uh, Sharon, Sharon, right? Is the girl Sharon. Yep. Yeah. She's sitting at like the counter and she's having a slice and drinking a beer and they're all kind of hanging out and like, Oh, did you get the account? Yep. One less client, uh, one more client for me, one less species of bird. Cause we find out all these chemicals she's selling. It's like terrible for the environment. And she's being told like, you know, if you don't like it, just quit. Like, you know, life's a waste unless you're doing what you love. She's talking to Bill at this time. It's like, yeah, you know, I can do anything I want. I'm smart. And he's agreeing, like, I'm motivated. Yeah, I'm a people person. And he's like, ooh, uh, I got to go back and count my pepperonis. Again, he's great. Every time he says something, you're I just like, go oh, count my pepperonis. <laughs> and she's unaware that she's not a people person. And Berg's kind of um, informing her, like, yeah, you know, you're a lot of great things. But um, when it comes to being a people person, it goes Unabomber, then you. Joe, your ears must have perked up. Oh, I was very happy. But again, Unabomber was caught in 96. This is 98. That's why I keep saying, like, there's all these references that are, like, just a little pack, which makes me, I actually find it kind of interesting that they didn't update it, right? It was just, they like the script, they're going with it. 
I don't know. I think it kind of dates the show. <laughs> I don't think the Unabomber, who was a historical figure, dates the show like Rihanna does. Well, um, no, I bet actually, on uh, Joe, the, the sad reality is people will remember Rihanna longer than they'll remember the Unabomber. Yeah, well, then maybe everybody should read Industrial Society and its future, the Unabomber's Manifesto, because... Maybe our, maybe our next giveaway, Joe, <laughs> one lucky fan can read the Unabomber's Manifesto. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> write in if you'd like to read the Unabomber's Manifesto. I will get a copy, and I will happily send it with a hooded sweatshirt to anybody and a pair of aviator glasses to anybody. That said, if you've ever read that tome, uh, he would not be a fan of podcasts. He's... That whole thing is about how ever since the Industrial Revolution, we've just been dependent on technology and machines, and we keep getting dumber and dumber. So the fact that there's four of us right now being like, this TV show from 20 years ago is funny, is probably like the thing that would make him crack in half. Well, you know what? I think the Unabomber is dumb. So, there. He's actually a very smart man. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> in any event, for 1998, if not the Unabomber, what example are we using here? Like, what are we saying in its place? Is that Oklahoma City? I was going to say, is Oklahoma City bombing? Is that? I feel like it's weird, but like you couldn't. I, I know they're both serial killers. I guess technically you'd consider Timothy McVeigh a mass murderer. Oh, that was murderer. actually, that was 95, the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, was it? OJ? Or is that OJ? That was before, that? too. OJ was 94. Hmm. Slobodan Milosevic, I guess, would be the closest you could do, maybe? I don't know. But yeah, imagine the darkness of this show, though, if he was like, it's you, and then it's Timothy McVeigh. Like, that would fucking stop the studio audience in his tracks so hard. Oh, Monica Lewinsky. She was very sociable. <laughs> she was quite the people person. Yeah, she was, very, she was a people pleaser. So, while this is happening, Pete's walking back in from a delivery that he was running. Like I said, this was later on. And him and Berg are having very awkward dialogue with one another. They're clearly upset with one another. And this was kind of like, you know what? I wanted to bring this up earlier because there's a moment where it's, um, she's trying to egg them on. Sharon's trying to say like, kick his ass, Pete. And he's like, I can't, he's wearing my shirt. And this was something that actually happened in the first scene. And I wanted to bring it up then and forgot. We're to believe that he's borrowing Pete's shirt. Berg is a solid foot taller and stockier than him. Like there's no, and the shirt's baggy on him. There is no chance in hell that Pete could fit in this shirt. This was a baggy shirt time though. Ba but the shirt's baggy on Berg. There's no chance Pete could have wore this shirt. I will. I don't mean to bring this up over and over again, but literally go back and rewatch dirty work. It looks like Norm Macdonald is wearing one of those like hip hop tall tees throughout the entire movie. We are like no human being would wear a shirt that size and that's just what he was wearing and they were like there we go <laughs> this button up on pete would have been past his knees like there's just no way but like this is the thing i don't this uh, this goes back to all that clerk stuff right pete is furious with berg but what did berg do wrong even that slip up on his part not his fault it was not his fault yeah he was under the assumption they just broke up he was told that that's what was happening and he in He's reacting to Melissa saying something to him. And he's like, oh, don't look at me. It wasn't me. So like, it was a very innocent slip up there. And he's like, you ruined my life and all this stuff. And it's just, that was when I got like the most Dante Randall vibe. Cause Dante used to like, yeah. When the argument crescendos. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's what, that was when it was like really strong for me. It was like these arguments here with him. And I was like, Jesus, like, yeah, I get he slipped up. So technically it's his fault, but like, is it really deep down and like not 
and not in a way that you could justifiably be this angry with him to the point where like Berg shouldn't be in this position where he's like, has to be overly apologetic, you know? It's like clerks too, where Randall spills the beans that he knows that she's pregnant. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, a fist fight with him. It's like, you didn't do anything wrong. You did something wrong and you're upset that your tracks weren't covered well enough, you know? And it's the same thing here. So they're having this argument and they're going back and forth. And now Pete's under this whole, I should have never did it. Like I had this epiphany, like, you know, how many Melissa's are there in the world? Like what's wrong with me? And Berg, who's like, has not really been serious at any point. This whole episode like flips and he's like, you know, I'll tell you what's wrong with you. Like you keep saying Melissa's not the one when in reality, you know, she's the one and you're just scared to death of it. And it's, I I don't know. It's kind of weird because his character, we get a couple of these scenes out of him where I don't completely know his vibe yet, <laughs> but I, I guess it works out. Cause you know, we talked about it earlier with like, when it comes to school, he's not a complete idiot. He's just a little, I don't know if eccentric is the word, but maybe somewhere in that space. I think eccentric idiot works. And now he's like, you know, I need to go over there. I have to make things right. Like, <laughs> and you know, you ruined my future as Sharon's going back and forth. She's playing both sides of this argument. And she's like yelling future killer at Berg saying, you know, I'll just blame it all on you. She's kind of like, she steps in and she's like, she's not going to believe that. Like there's a moment right now. And she might be thinking like, maybe I overreacted, but if you come through right now and you blame it all on Berg, then now you're just going to look guilty and it's going to look more like you tried to break up with her. I think that's like where she understands the dynamic of these people so well. And I think she's spot on completely with this analysis that maybe that's also her giving the female perspective that they won't grasp where I wouldn't grasp in that situation. So maybe that's where she comes in handy with the dynamic of this crew, because she's saying, no, this is what's going on in this girl's brain right now. If you go in right now, you're going to throw this whole thing off. Yeah. I don't think I would have thought of that. I think I would have just gotten myself in trouble. I get it. She's the girl and the two guys, the girl in the pizza place. I like to think that Gordo just woke up. <laughs> He's like, oh shit, I'm recording right now. What do I say? <laughs> well, Gordo's always known for his lively deliveries at times. <laughs> Mr. Bauer walks up and now he goes, you know, I was in love once and he's talking about how they shared a flat in France and then, you know, all hell broke loose after the war and he's telling the story of Casablanca. And again, I just thought maybe, maybe less crazy movies to, to do when you're telling these tall tales, but. I think this one worked because it gives you the very Ryan Reynolds delivery of it's okay, Mr. Bauer, we'll always have Paris. You know, like that works to the Casablanca thing. I think that being an obvious movie works just to get him to say the famous line. Have you guys ever seen Cabo Blanco? No. It's pronounced Casablanca. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cabo Blanco is Charles Bronson's not official remake of Casablanca from like 1979. It's fucking amazing. It is so weird. Unnecessary, but fun. I thought he was going to say starring Sammy Hagar. That's Cabo Wabo. So now we find out there's another delivery that um, Pete has to take out. But Berg's like, uh, you know what? I got this one. Like, I need to see if I can operate heavy machinery because he's been taking this inhaler all day. It's those little lines that make this character fun. We cut to like later on and Berg used that opportunity to go to Melissa's apartment. I don't think she actually ordered the pizza. Thank you. I was just going to say, how fucking bummed out would you be if you were like, I ordered a pizza like an hour ago. Yeah. That dude did not deliver it first. He should have delivered the pizza to the customer first, then gone to Melissa's apartment. 
I think they're, they were worried that we, the viewer would be like, where'd the pizza go? <laughs> so they, <laughs> he just took the pizza with him. I think that so, if that was the case, they should have been like, maybe she ordered the pizza because she wanted to yell at him, but he came instead. Like you could have worked. The, there has to be something. Otherwise I'm just thinking about the poor guy who's starving waiting for his pizza there's no way to track it you're calling the pizza place being like the guy left 10 minutes ago i don't know how'd you guys feel about the runner in this scene where he sees she has a bowl of oranges and he wants one and she doesn't want him to have one <laughs> and i don't really understand why that, that was, was strange that was yeah and then i don't know what he did he gets an orange later and he like he finally gets one and he just yeah he just puts it on the counter like at the bookshelf he doesn't he didn't actually want it <laughs> There's weird food stuff too. When you introduce when you're introduced to Ryan Reynolds in the very first scene, he walks in with a hamburger with a bite out of it, but you're not thinking that he just bit it because he's smelling it. Like he maybe just found that burger. Like there's like weird choices with food <laughs> yeah. that you're like, I don't know what this is supposed to mean. He's trying to talk to Melissa and get her back on board with, you know, Pete and kind of right his wrongs. He's saying that, you know, he's not an expert on relationships, but he's an expert on Pete. And he's just, you know, he got a little confused and just, you know, give him a break. He's doing a pretty good job at one point. He's giving all these great examples of like all these good things that like when Pete first saw you, his thought, his heart literally stopped and he goes out for sushi with you all the time. And he doesn't even actually like sushi, but he knows you do. He's like giving all these examples that are like really warming her up. She's like very tickled by all of this. What was, um, what was the impression that she does that he said that she does well? Linda Ronstadt. Thought that yes. was a random, <laughs> like that's a very random one. Up? I mean, like she was very big in the sixties and seventies, I guess. But do you know what I always think of her from is when she's dating Barney on the Simpsons when he's the Plow King, <laughs> and she does the song like "Mr. Plow is a loser and I think he is a boozer." Like she has a million <laughs> big songs. I see her and I just think of her in the hot tub with Barney. As he's telling her all these things, she's like, you're being awfully open and honest. Like, that's not very like you. He's like, it's not very like me, is it? And then he, like, pulls out the tape recorder. And then that's when he says, you know, 800 times the normal recommended daily dosage, now having a side effect, feeling extremely honest and forthright. I've never been so afraid in my life. And then she looks at the inhaler and realizes there's sodium pentothate in it. Pentothal. Pe but, well, here's the thing. That's what she said. <laughs> Not to say that's what she said, but that is what she said. Because I did try to cross-reference it. You're right. But that is what she said, and I was trying to see if that there was an altered version. Nonetheless, it is actually truth serum. But with varying degrees of whether or not it works. There's the scene in True Lies with this. That's a big it's, one. It's not what we've seen in the movies, right? But yeah. there is uh, an element of it is used as truth serum, and, and that's what's really? happening here. Yes. But it's also like a lie detector test. Like, it's never admissible. It's not an exact science. Right. Okay. So, but because of this inhaler and him being 800 times normal recommended dosage, which is an insane amount over, he's now incapable of being dishonest. So she's using this as an example, as a way to now get information out of. So now she's asking, like, last Wednesday, we're supposed to go to a gallery opening. And he says... Pete said he had an allergic reaction to shellfish and he goes, we're at the dog track. And then we find out another time where he couldn't go to something and he was playing Papa shot. So now she's not too happy, but he does start redeeming himself. And again, using more of these examples of like all these great things that he feels for her and stuff that we now know are true because he's being honest and can't lie. But unfortunately 
also slips, and you laugh like a mad scientist during sex. <laughs> I like that way of it, it explaining it. The mad scientist. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that like closed out. There's not even like I thought there'd be more dialogue from there because like he was like at that redemption part where it looked like things were going to be on the up and up. And he said that and that was that was it. I don't know how to say this quite right. Now, I can understand why she'd be upset that he said that. But don't on both sides to some varying degree, both guys and girls share stories with their friends. Girls do it more so than guys, I think. I think it's probably equal across the board especially if it's something weird like that like like is that enough to not want to be with him anymore because i feel like if he did that she would have told one of her friends i feel like everybody especially if you're in a long lasting relationship i think it's just implied like i'm gonna tell this person something and they're just gonna tell their spouse or partner like you just expect that no but i mean the reverse of telling friends things i think though when it comes to guys if i had to make a educated guests on 30 years of friendship with all of you guys we share something like that more often if it's funny i was just gonna say if somebody was like laughing like dr claw during sex like i we you guys would know i remember one of our friends once when they went to college came back and he was like dude the other night i like rolled over in the middle of the night and like we just like started having sex and i was like and then what? Like expecting the punchline? Like I was yeah. waiting for like, and then I slipped on my mashed potatoes. That I left out and like I fell out the window. Like you're expecting that? And he's like, no, just that. And I was like, that's not a story. I don't care about that. I don't care that you got laid last night. I only want to hear about it if something funny happened or crazy. It's like slipping on mashed potatoes. Those crazy college kids. <laughs> I, I'd tell you that though. I wouldn't just tell you. Be like last night around two in the morning. I had sex. Like it's not a story. I don't want to tell anybody that. So that's why I thought it was a little weird that that was like the thing that destroyed everything, all the good building up he had done in that scene. But the scene cuts right there. So then we get back to like the pizza place when he's arriving back from the delivery and he's like just running right in and saying like, I did a bad thing. Who would you do a bad thing to? <laughs> and I like that you had that moment with, um, with Bill and Sharon when they knew it wasn't them. And they're both like, yes, in unison and high five. I do like, too, when he explains that he told her about the maniacal laughing, that Sharon just goes, so that's what that is, which means yeah. she hears it a floor <laughs> yeah. above them. And he is explaining, like, it wasn't on purpose. I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to help. And it turns out the inhaler is uh, truth serum. And, like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's again, I understand why Pete's upset, but I feel like he's projecting so hard on Berg where it was, like, he's just coming down on him and... Berg's done nothing but try to make things better the whole episode. Yeah, it's just misplaced pretty harsh. And, and then because of that, it's tough because Pete's the like the main like even though all three two guys a girl and a Pete's like they're all kind of build together. I feel like at least in this episode, it feels like the show is supposed to be centered around Pete first. It's Pete's story, and these are the, like the ancillary characters, right? And maybe because this particular storyline was focused on him, and maybe it, so that's our first impression. And Pete's the villain in this episode. Yeah. And that's, that's tough though. When like the guy you're, you know, you're supposed to be following is the guy that you're like least rooting for. He's the least fun person yeah. of, the, of the bunch. Also, we didn't bring this up yet. I wanted to bring it up because it's on my list now and it's probably going to be ne- my next pick, but the actor who plays Pete, like you look up, you know what people did. He was in one of the very few lifetime original sitcoms. That's called Rita rocks. <laughs> and it's Nicole Sullivan from Mad TV and um, uh, King of Queens. 
is like a middle aged woman and then she finds a guitar in her garage and decides to start a band it was clearly canceled for low ratings because that premise is just awful but i cannot fucking wait to do that show now i feel like that's probably on the list now that you're aware of it yeah rita rocks is coming be prepared please make sure you do that when ferg's around that's gonna be one that like i will make sure there's no way ferg cannot be there for it <laughs> yeah i like here where they're trying to see if the truth serum has worn off yet and he just says to Sharon, well, ask me if I like your hair this way. She's like, okay, do you like my hair this way? It's like, yes, very much. Oh, good. It wore off. <laughs> so. Yeah. An easy setup you expected, but still, still a funny path. It's a hundred percent projected joke, but it was still, it still lands. So now the two are both running outside. Pete goes first. Berg's trying to follow him out there. Berg asks Sharon if she could watch over the, the restaurant for a minute while they run outside. I like right right off the bat before they cut away to them going outside. You have the customer like saying, "Excuse me, can I see a menu?" And she goes, "It's a pizza place." And I was like, "Thank you, thank you." You know what kind of pizza there is? Order the pizza. That's insane to ask for menu, especially in '98. Like nowadays, you go in a pizza place and they have like the Big Mac pizza and all these like crazy things. Right. That really isn't happening at this like run of the mill pizza places in Boston in 98, you know? And even that too, we go to a pizza place that we really like and we go there fairly often. I always get the same thing. And my wife looks at the menu for all the crazy things and then inevitably always just orders the same thing she always orders. You know, be like, it's just the menu's there for no reason. I do the same thing in our ramen place. I like, I mean, I have my go-tos at a lot of places, but, I do try to test the waters with other things and, and try to experience all these kind of like fun one-offs. I actually, I think I told you guys recently, I, you know, our local Chinese food place, which we've, we've shouted out a million times on here, Hong Kong dragon, Winthrop mass, best Chinese food in the world. Represent. I order the same thing 99% of the times from them. So like I ordered for them like a week ago and I'm like, I'm ordering two things that I've never had off this menu because they have all these things I've never tried in 30 plus years of eating at this restaurant. And they were fine. They were good, you know, like, but I just, I'm so locked into my meal, you know? So I try once in a while to venture out. What's Jay? Jay Jay's the uh, S9, no onion in the rice with egg roll and chicken teriyaki? Chicken fingers, usually. Chicken fingers, damn. Mm. S9 being fried rice and lobster sauce, for those of you who don't know. I would always do the no onion as well. And they were very sweet to us. So they would always let us. They would make us new rice if we came in with no onions. Yes. Aren't we all S9 based though? I wa- yeah, I mean, I like it. I get all different things from them now. You, you guys are all very creatures of habit with them. Like I said, now I feel like I'm trying to see what else they have to offer. Just, you know, out of curiosity. Try to spread your wings. Chicken wings. So now we're back outside and, you know, the two are arguing. And it, this is, again... Again, very clerksy. This is another Dante Randall argument the two of them are kind of having here. But there is that admission from Pete at this point where he's like, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at me. And he's kind of just going over his life and saying how he's about to be 25 years old. And when his dad was 25, you know, he was married and he had a house and he had him already. And he's like, what do I have? A guy at a pizza place. But you know what? This, This is a logical thing to feel because i feel like it's even more so in our generation you know what i mean now we're in our he's almost 25 you know now we're all past 35 you know and i feel like the world has changed so much in that you don't 
more people than not now aren't 22 married, have a kid on the way, bought their first house. It's just not the, the world anymore. Yeah, no, it's very no. different. And that generation was one foot in, one foot out. They weren't really where we are with things yet. They're being like 21 and like, or 20 or whatever, you know, like maybe yeah, not even 21, but like stumbling into my house, just like so drunk at like four in the morning once my dad just being like, I have no relation to this. I don't know what to say to you because my life was so different. You know, like you're like, oh shit. Yeah, that's weird. And you know, there's an argument to be said either way, right? There's a lot of people of the older generations and there's people that are our age that settled down really early and are very happy, you know, and that's great. But I do think it's nice that there's less pressure. Yeah. Than what Pete's feeling here, because, you know, now I think it's very normal to be like, I don't know what I want in life yet. And I'm not going to rush myself into anything until I know what I want. And I want to live a good amount of my life and do all these things and travel and, and, and just check off all these boxes before I put myself in a situation where I'm tied into this life now and I'm not fully ready to be. Yeah, I love having stories and like experiences, you know what I mean? And being able to have that and then sort of move on to different parts of your life. And I think it's good to do it for me personally. I know we have different opinions on how we all live our lives in this. Jay is like a complete FOMO guy. I have fear of missing in. Uh, or being involved in anything anymore at this point in my life. I love having those things, but I don't want to do most of them ever again. But I did them, so I'm good. I have things that I want to check off, but it's mostly traveling at this point. I just want to see places. For sure. I mean, that's part of it with me. It's it just, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of world out there, a lot of things to do and time's ticking and I'm getting older. I mean, it's it's tough. There's no again, there's no right answer. I, I just think that, um, you know, what I'm seeing with Pete here was definitely a big feeling probably for his generation. And before that, especially where I feel like that thought for us at 25, you know, when we saw people getting married and having kids at 25, even though that was so the standard for our parents, when we saw people our age doing it, when we were 25 going, what they're having a kid. They're getting married? Like, what are they doing? Yeah. They're only 25. Not the one thing we didn't see, though, from our generation at 25 was buying a house. That was the one thing that really spread itself out from our parents' generation to us. The world put a big block on us on that one. Yeah, that one was a lot tougher. Like, I may have been a little more apt to do that young if someone was like, but you can have a whole house to yourself. Like, ooh, that sounds fun. Because again, at 25, I had four roommates. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's a little different. Prices, <laughs> like we said, inflation and all that, just impossible. But while Pete's having all these issues and he's trying to explain it to Berg, Berg's trying to say like, hey, you know, like there's no blueprint for life. You know, it's not like you do this and that, like in a specific order. You just, you know, you just kind of take it as it comes and, you know, you just enjoy life. And Berg's like, but I'm not you. Like, I don't find pearls when I eat oysters. Like, I can't learn Russian in three days from a book called How to Learn Russian in Three Days. <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of goes back to like that school stuff that he was kind of getting him on in the, in the first scene is just that life just seems to be easy for Berg or at least in Pete's perception of it. And it's not that way for him, but that doesn't discredit Berg's thoughts of you can just enjoy life though. You know? Yeah. He's asking him, are you going to have my children? And Berg's like, well, there is an experiment at MIT next week. So for a cool 50 bucks, he's willing to junior himself. I did look this up and I was like, I wonder, I know it's a long shot and like, there's no way that that's ever a possibility, but did anybody ever look into this? And if you look it up, it's like the complete opposite where the only studies at MIT are how to make male contraceptive. 
like male birth control, where it's like the complete opposite of trying to make a man pregnant. But uh, they're still working on it now. Interesting. They might have one soon, actually, that could go to market. That would be the first ever male birth control. I felt bad in this moment, right during this part of the conversation is when Bauer exits and it was like, what if I end up alone? What if I'm like him? And it's like, this poor guy. Cause he seems like a nice dude and he's being flagged as like, um, you know, failure in life. You know what I mean? Just cause he doesn't have a significant other. You don't know that yet. Also like, they don't know that dude's life. They know this dude because he hangs out at the pizza shop. They don't know if he had like an amazing life and a, a, a wife and kids and maybe something terrible happened or right. He decided to do a different thing with his life. They're weirdly making a backstory for him. I don't think we have. Yeah, I think it's almost like because he doesn't have what Pete feels like he needs, like he thinks that Bauer's life is not a success. You know what I mean? Where meanwhile, he's like, he's a professor at a good school and, you know, he he seems to be in good spirits and, you know, has fun. And plus he's lived in Paris and shot a shark. Yeah. You know, he's lived all these crazy stories. Pretty good life. I feel maybe that's how the show ends. We find it's kind of like big fish. All these stories he's telling are true. They're all about him. But yeah, so Berg's just reassuring Pete that everything's going to be okay. He's like, well, how can you be so sure? He's like, because I know, you know, it has to. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to live with you. (laughs) Through the window, I feel like because they're having a serious moment, like in sitcom fashion, they need to cut it with a little comedy. So through the window, you see Sharon, who's just like yelling at a customer. And she's like, just picking toppings off of a pizza and like throwing them down and then like setting the pizza on, you know, for them afterwards. It'll never work. You can't put toppings on an already made pizza and reheat it and have it taste right. And you can't take toppings off and not have it taste like the toppings. You're all, you're all in or you're all out. Well, especially for you, you're a pepperoni guy. There's no way you're going to unpepperoni taste that pizza. Agreed. But also if you used to, I used to go to this place all the time near my work when I could eat real food and they're like, we have pepperoni slices. You'd be like, cool. And they'd take a cheese slice, put pepperoni on it, throw it back in the oven. To which I say, not a slice of pepperoni pizza. That's a piece of pizza you put pepperonis on. And everything didn't gestate and make itself taste good. This is not what we're going for. Make that greasy. So as a pepperoni guy, do you prefer when they put the pepperoni on the pizza raw so it gets super greasy? Or do you like when it's like a little cooked and you got like the little cups? Oh, I like it a little cuppy and a little crispy for sure. So in the final scene... We see Berg and Sharon out on their stoop and they're enjoying like a beer together and just kind of hanging out. Pete shows up and he's in good spirits and they're asking him, Hey, how'd it go? And he's like, Oh, you know, Melissa and I are going to try to work things out. And Sharon's like, Oh, great. I've always liked her. It goes back to, you know, we've, we've talked about it before. It's like, better be careful. You know, he's forever going to know that you didn't like her. He's supposed to like go back to her house with like a movie and they're going to just like have like a little movie night. And they're trying to talk him out of it and want him to go to um, that bar O'Malley's and do a Papa shot, you know, thing again. And Berg's like, come on, Sharon's buying and she's, she's down. I guess she has, she does have a ton of money. Yeah. She just made a big commish. He won't do it or it says he won't do it, but it seems like it doesn't take a lot of pushing. And again, I think that like we've said, he's not painted as the best character in the way that he's like moody and pushes everything, you know, off on his friends. And here it is. We're seeing him. He's. He just went through all this trouble to get his girl back and they're with very little pushing, getting him to go to this rest, uh, this bar with them. And they're doing the whole, Oh, look at you. You're sick. You're clammy. Like, you know, tell tell two lies to his girlfriend. You know, the second he gets her back, he's already going to lie to her. So he can like, you know, play basketball at a bar with his friends. Also rule of being sick. You never lie about being sick because you will get sick. 
So I don't know. Like, I know it was like a bonding thing and they're just trying to round out the jokes, but like, boy, they do Pete no favors in this episode. But I think it's a good way to end it because you, you understand solidified what that relationship is between those three people. And that's the episode. I don't have a lot of other stuff. Like I said, this is kind of a new experience watching this one, even though I'd seen it a little bit in the past. A show that despite four seasons and being pretty popular in its initial run doesn't have any syndication anywhere. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I was just looking. I can't seem to find it anywhere. Like maybe like daily motion illegally and, and very poor quality. Yeah, there's but ways like, to find it. It's just so crazy with the show with, uh, with big people in it and four seasons and syndication and a story. You know, like it's just wild. You'd think the second that like Ant-Man and those movies start, not Ant-Man, uh, Deadpool and those movies started happening again, they'd be like, wait, we just toss this on whatever streaming service we if own. I'm Whatever ABC likes to stream their shit on. I mean, they're through Disney, right? So maybe Disney Plus does it or have Hulu. a lot of No, it, um, you can buy the entire series for around $40 on eBay if you want to see it that bad. What, on disc? Yeah, DVD. But if I'm like, if I'm Hulu, you know what I mean? Or something, be like, Ryan Reynolds is like a, such a popular, known, like, A-list guy. Like, there's four seasons of a show that we could probably get on cheaper syndication and just pump his name to get people to watch our shit. Like, why not have that, like, sitting on your streamer? We say it all the time with these shows. It's insane. It's free content. You already own it. And if you, yeah. especially your show like this where you've got a big star in it, it seems insane to not put it up. But, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I mean, we covered it pretty deep. So, you know, I want to get into the green letter cancel. Again, Ferg's not here. So if we're in a tiebreaker situation, Ferg's vote does count, and it will reflect on our Instagram S21 pod again, if you want to see that graphic, but in the meantime, we'll go over our votes and, you know, we'll see if it even gets to a tiebreaker situation. So I'll go in the order. I see you guys in Nick, starting with you. This is a green light and I'm trying to, I had to remove the nostalgia, the fact that, you know, like we said, we all like Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I'm trying to remove knowing him. You kind of got to go into this and like, not, I guess not know his, you know, what he ends up becoming, but I just enjoyed it. I mean, I, I liked every character. The writing was decent. I mean, I know you had your problems with how they crammed everything in there, but I feel like that left room for the rest of the episode to just kind of do what it wants instead of, you know, dusting it throughout and having to go back to what this person does. It also doesn't matter what they do, right? So they kind of just got it in, got it out, and now you get to, you know, go on. It's just a a very, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's just a really good run-of-the-mill sitcom like you get everything you want out of it i think it checks a lot of the boxes and uh, i definitely want to see more i'm bummed that it's uh nearly impossible to find a way to continue watching this because i would definitely keep watching it um so yeah easy green light joe yeah i agree with nick it's a bummer when shows like this aren't on somewhere to watch because i would watch all of this and then i always do talk to my wife after we watch these and say this is one we could or should or would right and this one doesn't i think the issue of the exposition in the first episode is a first episode only issue i i was left at the end of this episode saying i want to watch the next episode and see what the next thing is i'm also weirdly intrigued coming at it from a later standpoint to be like so what happens with the pizza place what happens with nathan fillion right like you know enough about it where you're like i'm intrigued to see where this goes and ryan reynolds is always going to be weirdly super funny to me I wish that somebody at any of these streamers ever listened to our show and would just put this shit up because it would make life a lot easier. 
Then again, last time I said that, I bought a whole series, <laughs> paid a bunch of money for it, and then it was free streaming like a week later. So uh, I don't know what to say about that, but I would watch more of this, and now I want pizza. Green light. Gordo. I, too, am going to green light this, but I didn't like this episode. I thought it was too front heavy, um, but I get that they're setting up, you know, the characters and everything like that. I think the first two scenes that go to they could have did a lot less and then just kind of went right into the story. But the bones are there. It's intriguing enough. The actors are good enough. I mean, I don't know if I'd go and seek it, but I wouldn't turn it off if it were in syndication and I flipped through the channel and it happened to be on. So that, that's the way I feel about it. So green light. Um, I'm in a weird point. I thought I would have more of a solid answer by this moment when I need to have a solid answer. So I don't know. It, it's like, I, I do have a lot of problems with how it was structured up front. I, I like Ryan Reynolds. He's just being Ryan Reynolds. It's not as refined because uh, he's young. It's so he's, it's not quite, you know, as we, we get it later on. Um, there's a lot of good dynamics between character to character. There's a lot of good chemistry there. The main character I don't love. I feel like he's a little exhausting in the way he projects, and it's tough when your number one guy is someone you're not rooting for. Um, I mean, I'm really struggling. <sighs> Man, um, I don't know. I, I don't feel... I think I'm going to just cancel this one, Um, but it was a real toss-up. I just something about him just didn't do it for me. It's weird because of all the clerks comparison and then like that being like one of my favorite movies. I don't know. There's something about Pete's character that was a little exhausting for me at times. I guess I would curiosity watch another episode if it was presented, but I wouldn't seek it out um, just to see kind of how it changes. But yeah, I'm going to go with the cancel on this one. That being said, it doesn't matter because we already have three green lights. So despite my cancellation and whatever Ferg ends up doing, congratulations to two guys, a girl in a pizza place. You do live on to see episode two. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Remind you again, S1E1Pod.com is where you can find all the links to our socials. S1E1Pod on Instagram and X. Please interact with us. Let us know shows you want us to cover. Things you'd like to do. We want to do more stuff with you guys. We have some stuff lined up. We'll get into that in the future. Be sure to follow our socials because that's where you know, we're most likely to announce all that stuff. But until then, we'll catch you again next week with another new episode. Thank you. Goodbye. I think we got the best double mocha grumpy. <laughs> <laughs>